0: This is episode 293 with ultramarathoner, sponsored mountain runner, and certified running coach, Kenzie Barlow. Welcome to the Strength Running Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Jason Fitzgerald, and the goal of this show, strengthrunning.com, and our YouTube channel is to help you better understand the process of improvement because when you recognize knowledge as a competitive advantage, you'll be a much better runner. I'm happy to connect anytime through strengthrunning.com, on Instagram at Jason Fitz one, or on the strength running YouTube channel. Don't be shy. And if you enjoy this podcast, support our sponsors who help us keep the lights on. First is PreveneX. Now I've never partnered with a supplement company until now. PreveneX is, in my view, the best. They use only the most bioavailable clinically tested ingredients, the optimal form and dose of each ingredient, pharmaceutical grade manufacturing, testing of raw ingredients and finished products. And for every purchase you make, they donate vitamins to kids in need. It's a supplement company that's voluntarily putting themselves under more scrutiny and holding themselves to higher standards. One great example that I know runners are gonna love is their joint health product. The main ingredient is clinically proven to reduce joint pain, reduce joint stiffness, and improve joint flexibility in just 7 to 10 days, which is almost unheard of. And beyond that, it's also clinically proven in double-blinded, placebo-controlled studies to protect joint cartilage from breaking down during exercise. Get 15% off your order with code JASON15, it's not case-sensitive, at Prevenex.com. That's P R E V I N E X dot com with code Jason15 for 15% off your order. We're also supported by Inside Tracker, created by experts in aging, genetics, and biometric data. Inside Tracker provides a personalized health analysis from the most relevant source, your own body. You get your blood tested, and then you get to find out the rate at which you're aging recommendations to optimize your health, and any physiological red flags that might negatively impact your running. Now you can get 20% off their entire store at insidetracker.com slash strengthrunning with code STRENGTHRUNNING. Get yours at insidetracker.com slash STRENGTHRUNNING and use code STRENGTHRUNNING for 20% off. Okay, my guest today is sponsored ultra-endurance athlete Kenzie Barlow. She's finished in the top 10 in countless ultra races from the old Cascadia 100 miler, the Wasatch 100, and many others. She's also a USA Track and Field and Roadrunners Club of America certified running coach. In this conversation, we get to know Kenzie better. Her relationship to long term injuries, she's currently experiencing one right now, that's actually not quite an injury. It's more a something that she's she was born with. So this is a really interesting discussion on how she's managing her running career around her current back problem. We're also gonna talk about why she spends a lot of time lifting weights and why the process of training is far more fun to focus on than the outcomes. Without further delay, please enjoy my conversation with Kenzie Barlow. All right, hey Kenzie, thanks for being here.
1: You're welcome, glad to be here.
0: Well, I'm excited to connect uh, I would love to hear the Kenzie Barlow one pager. What what oh, yeah. brought you to running and what are you doing in the sport today?
1: All right. So I always like to tell people that I don't come from a traditional background in the sense that if you were to look at maybe if you had come across my, I guess my social media page, you might see someone that seems like they're very well immersed in the mountain running world. And um, while well, I do consider that a huge part of my lifestyle now. It's not something I would have seen myself doing um, maybe even gosh, like 12 years ago. So I don't know if I'd consider it unconventional or not, but um, I didn't run track and field in high school. I was not a collegiate athlete. Um, I actually spent the early part of my twenties um eating, raising babies. So um, really I, I, If you would have asked me in my early 20s what you thought I would be doing now at 40 and seeing what I'm doing, I you, I would have told you to get lost. I would not have believed it. But um, I think what really brought me to it was um, after I had had my third child, I really just was looking for a hobby, um, kind of like realizing that there was not like when I had a little bit of me time, I don't feel like I knew really what to do with myself. And, you know, I was maybe a little concerned about like, getting back into shape post having babies, but more so I just needed like an outlet, like something to alleviate, like, you know, a lot of the emotional stress that happens at those times of life. And so, um, it just happened that some friends invited me to join in one of their, um, I don't know if you've heard of the Ragnar trail well, it's actually, it actually wasn't trail. It was just the Ragnar, um, race series. It's so it's like a team event and you kind of like rotate through different legs of that. And, and it was the first time I'd heard about it, but um, decided to jump in on that. And I really had not been running at all. Like I I knew nothing about running. So it was more so about this idea of having a goal to motivate me and just started training, not knowing anything really about like actual training adaptation or what I should be doing. So what it looked like was me running, um, on a treadmill across the street at my gym while I had a baby in a car carrier and just kind of like working my way from there. So what I found through that was that I really have this personality, I just kind of feel like maybe it was dormant or I didn't have like the right, like life stimulus to realize that I really thrive on, um, having goals to motivate me and, you know, even like taking the little micro wins, but like, like taking these little, um, you know, processes a little bit at a time and eventually whittling your way to something that seems really big and scary. So, you know, that was really where where I started. It was like, you know, these, these little races with friends worked up to the half marathon, marathon um maybe where it kind of the trail diverged to like something more unconventional is um, a friend of mine who was kind of on a similar journey we were like training friends training partners she would um we both had come across this 50 mile race now this is all road all pavement 50 mile race at the time i didn't realize how unusual that is i mean we both had completed our first marathon and we're kind of looking for that next big thing you know And instead of just being like normal people and being like, oh, let's just do another marathon or try to do that marathon faster, we were like, let's try to do this 50-mile all-pavement race. And so um, we both did that. It was a very interesting experience. But what I found through that was that I really enjoyed the process of not just running, like, you know, the, the actual art of running, but the places that I ran really, really spoke to me. It was just like over some mountain passes all on road. Um, paid a heavy price with my feet on that one, not training the right way. But um, I just found that I love being in nature and I and I love the feeling of, of having an able body moving through nature in that way. And so i kind of just gravitated, I guess, to make a long story short, kind of gravitated from there to trail and ultra running. And that's really where um, my heart has been set for the last eight to nine years.
0: It's amazing how a friend inviting you to go do some race is such a gateway drug. I
1: I mean, just one. (laughs) And that's I think about that a lot, like just how sometimes one uncomfortable decision can literally change your trajectory in life. Um, And I would say that is as dramatic as that sounds. It has literally been a very much a life changing decision for me.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I have a very similar sort of origin story in that I started running cross country because I thought I could high jump because cross country is like track, right?
1: right, right. And
0: no, I quickly learned there's no high jumping in cross country. It's <laughs> all running, but it's amazing how that one little decision, even though it was a mistake, led me on my path. And and here I am today. Right. Now you mentioned, uh, that you're not like a normal person who might just want to do another marathon or try to go faster. Talk to me about that, because that's very interesting to me. Most people don't run some races and then all of a sudden want to do trail ultra marathons. You know, they want to you know, maybe stick to the road, maybe get better at the events that they had tried. What was the allure of these very long, admittedly beautiful trail races?
1: Yeah, great question. Okay. Let's see. I think it started with a mindset where so, you know, people could say well what what is normal? Who's normal? And and I guess that's a fair point too. Um I would say what I would define as not normal is I I do feel like one of my superpowers and again, this was not something that I would have considered a, an attribute I I even knew that I had in me until I started exploring that through running was that I really love being uncomfortable. Um, and I think it's it's for me it's more like it's less about the physical discomfort but more about what I learn about myself through physical discomfort. And so it's kind of this exploration process of like of who I am as a person through these longer I call these like our mountain journeys. And so um, and I do feel like that's maybe a little bit different than a lot of people. I feel like um, you know like. Running with different athletes and coaching different athletes, like everybody has different drives of why they pursue the goals that they have, and I can definitely say that mine have a lot more to do with the idea of self mastery um than anything I mean I definitely appreciate the the again like the scientific side behind like adaptation and what's the human body's capable of with the right and different stimuluses but um I feel like that's kind of where i why I landed in the area that I'm at now um, because I feel like these long, and when I say long, I mean, what I, what I really love doing, my, my favorite distance would be the hundred mile distance. Um, but you know, anything from 50 K to hundred K, I guess technically is, is considered a, a trail ultra race. But um, I think I like the longer distances because I feel like it's, my husband has kind of described this to me and I agree with him. He also does the same similar um, events, but, it's kind of like you have like this mini life, like it's like microcosm and life in one race because you're out there for so long. There's so many highs and lows. And um, I mean, maybe unlike a, you know, even like a, a 5k or even a marathon where it's really, really, really uncomfortable. In fact, I, um, you just posted something about uh, 5k being harder or as hard as a marathon. And I thought that I'm like, that's spot on because it's a type of suffering I'm not very good at that really intense suffering for a short amount of time, what I'm really good at is being really, really uncomfortable for a long period of time. So that long suffering idea. And, um, and I feel like that, you know, I wouldn't say I've mastered that. But it's something that I'm still really curious about exploring what I'm capable of at. So in those longer distances, um, there is a lot of time to really go into those dark places in your head and sit in there for a long time. And nobody likes to be there. I don't think it's a very, very uncomfortable place to be. I'd say that's kind of like where a lot of your own demons come out. And, you know, and I, have and I, before I got to get into like the longer stuff, I, I did, I would say dabble for a few years in the, the road running scene. And so it was like, you know, the, the duration of a race would be depending on it, you know, up to maybe four hours. Um, and you could talk yourself into being really pretty miserable at a higher intensity for four hours. But when all of a sudden, you know, I, I still remember the first 100 miler I did was it was ironically a, a race that happens to be right in my backyard, which is the Wasatch 100. And so one of the benefits of that is that I was pretty familiar with the first part of the course because the start line happens to be 10 minutes from my house. And so I had been up on those uh, mountains many times in different, you know, sometimes in training, but sometimes, you know, up there on a, um, a razor, like in my younger years or something. So I was kind of familiar with it, but I still remember getting up, you start on this really long, heinous climb up what's called bear Canyon. And you kind of top out once you get up there and that's maybe mile, um, 10, you kind of run along a ridge for about five miles, but along that ridge, it's amazing, but you can see forever and ever. And what you also can see is about where the finish line is going to be. And it's like mountain Vista after mountain Vista away. And, um, that's pretty intimidating. I, the first time I, I really kind of realized visually like where I was asking my body to go, it just seemed like another continent. And so that was like the first opportunity to just really freak out. Like, this is what I'm asking myself. Am I capable of doing this? And um, But it was also uh, like a, a good time to like work on these like these mental you know things. Like, okay, let's just take a little bit at a time. And that's kind of what it became was like one eighth station at a time. So um you know I've I've learned a lot over the years of doing it you know I say I'm good at some things and and there's some things I realize are my weaknesses but that's definitely where I still feel um like I have a hard time ever thinking I'll ever be satisfied um with exploring that.
0: You know I think that the 100 mile trail distance that kind of an event is almost a different sport than say a road or track 5k. It is so different and requires such a different skill set, both physically and mentally, that it makes complete sense to me that you're all in on these long ultra distances. But yeah, the short stuff you're just not really into.
1: Not everybody does, but that's refreshing to hear.
0: Yeah, it's it's a totally different sport. So it's like, hey, why does someone like basketball over baseball? Well, per- personal preference, and um, you know, I, I don't really see these these distances having too much in common. You know, obviously fitness is fitness. If you're a good runner at one, you're probably going to be a decent runner at the other with the right training, but man, they're so different. They are so different.
1: Wildly different. I couldn't agree more. Yeah.
0: Now, Kenzie, speaking of suffering, I want to talk about this injury that you're dealing with. Um, and I believe you are currently dealing with it. It's an injury that you described as a congenital back anomaly. Can you tell us a little bit more about this?
1: Yeah. Okay. So I guess the the better way to put it from, you know, as much information as I've tried to dive into it is it's not necessarily an injury uh, per se in that from what, you know, the from all of the um, experts I've been to, it's not really an injury that's that heals that it, it can heal. But um, the best way I can describe it in layman's terms is that um, when you're born, you know, you are born with these growth plates. And as you, grow, they have, you have to have room for growth. So all of these are movable and they're not all, you know, fixed together, but you know, somewhere during puberty, they start to fuse together. Um, two, one of mine, I think between my L5 and my L6 vertebrae didn't fully fuse together. So that's why it's called transitional is it's a partial fusion of two vertebrae. So, um, And again, so that's not really an injury. It's just something that happens. And apparently it's actually quite common um, from, from what I've heard. I think what I remember is maybe like one in 10 people have it. Um, So not uncommon. It's just how many people use their bodies enough to a point where, or push their bodies to a point where it becomes a problem. So really the nature of the problem, or I guess the limiter on my end, I guess is is inflammation. Um, So that's kind of where I've sat the wild part about it, I guess, so that maybe I would say it's, it's been kind of frustrating and I have made peace with it to some degree, but, um, it really didn't become a problem until, so I ran my first hundred mile race in 2014. And then, um, it was after that race, maybe about a month later, I just kind of started noticing that I had hip pain. It was like manifesting in my hip. So I finally got to a point where I, Went saw a doctor. It was diagnosed actually as a hip impingement, and was told that I'd likely need to go have the surgery where you shave down and kind of reshape your hip so that it's not catching. And um, but before, of course, they do the surgery. He wanted to have the MRI done to make sure you know everything was what he was expecting. So they MRI'd my hip. Um, the big blessing was that it happened to also catch in the MRI the lower part of my back. So when I went in, it was quite surprising for them to say, "Well, it's not your hip at all. It's actually." Your back, and this is what's going on. So in 2015, I, you know, and it kind of depends on the doctors you go to, but in 2015, I was pretty much told by that doctor, you're really not genetically set up to be a runner, especially the type of running that you want to do. Um, so it's really up to you. It's kind of going to just be like an inflammation slash pain management problem on your end. But from what it's looking like, I mean, this was again like really. I had only had one solid year of true ultra running training um, under my belt. So when I was told that that was likely not going to be my future, I was a really sad and depressing prospect because here you like finally find what you feel like is like you're seeing and like where you feel like you belong. And then you're told that your body doesn't want to go where your mind wants it to go. So um, took a cortisone shot at the time to manage inflammation and fully kind of at the time working through trying to accept like that likely I would not be doing ultra running, um, from there on out. But magically I didn't have any issues. And from 2015 to about 2018, I was definitely training the highest volumes that I ever have, um, had was had the best success I had in races had, I I would say was a non-issue. I was also, and I'm sure at some point we'll maybe talk about this, but I was, um, have always been, a big fan of weight training and cross training. So I had always had that in my background and I kind of, and my doctor even told me like he attributed, like you're going to have to do a a really good job of keeping a strong core as a runner, because if you can um, keep a strong core, you'll likely avoid um, all of the extra movement and that's in play in your lower back. And so you'll probably avoid some of the, um, the friction that's going on while you're running. And so I did a really good job of maintaining that for years and had no issues. Um, until about 2020, and I think, as the world was falling apart, I felt like kind of so was my body. And I, you know, I I don't know if that's just partially a, a product of aging. I hate to say that because I still don't consider myself very old, and I still feel like there's very much a lot, like a lot of longevity in these ultra-distance sports, even well into your 40s, 50s. Um, so I'm just kind of playing around with what's going to work for me. Um, I definitely wouldn't say it's been detrimental, it's changed the way that I've had to, I guess, adjust my expectations of um, what I want to get out of the sport. And that's been a couple years of trial and error. But I would still say, um, lucky for me, I have been able to enjoy a few years of really amazing, like bucket filling running. Um, It's shifted a little less from like, I guess I'd say competitive, but really like aggressive training to where I was trying to like toe the line for a PR attempt at a race. That hasn't been able to happen for a few years, but I have managed to have some of the most amazing um, dream runs, uh, uh, adventures and things like that for the last couple of years. And it's definitely kept me very happy.
0: It sounds like you don't really have too many limitations on your running because of of your back issues. Is, is it just like something where you have to keep on top of strength training. And besides that, you know, just use some common sense.
1: Um, common sense is always a great foundation, right? <laughs> I, yeah, I would say, um, it's, it's again, been trial and error because I'm trying to find out like what changed from those first couple of years after my initial diagnosis, where I, I was able to withstand, you know, a lot of different training than I am now. And I, you know, when I, when I, started trying to get back. I'll kind of throw in a random side a side note that in 2018, our family moved out of the country and lived in Ireland for a year. And so my running goals had to kind of get put on the back burner while we just focused on the experience of living abroad. And we definitely ran there, but it, it kind of put me out of my mojo of like of structured training. And so um, coming back from that and trying to like reintroduce, Structure just has been a little bit difficult, like because now I was no longer trying to maintain a fitness level that I had for years. I was trying to rebuild that, so I think what what I have learned is that the problem for me is more back to back volumes, which is hard again because we're talking about ultra distance racing. And so, um, kind of my my pattern is that I can I like I could go out right now, and in fact, we just went to Ireland and and I was able to enjoy some fun runs and reconnect with friends and do some kind of just fun, nostalgic runs out there. And so, you know, we did some couple, four plus hour mountain runs, um, 16 plus miles out there. And I seem to be okay, but it's like the day after I do those runs um, it, things are hurting pretty bad. Like I'm getting like the weird zinger down my leg. And, and again, lucky for me, those aren't necessarily, according to years of meeting with different doctors, those aren't signs of like an injury and my body telling me I need to stop. It's just telling me we've got a lot of inflammation going on right now and you need to settle down or else just learn to deal with weird zingers going down your leg. And, and if I just ignore those, it would get to a point, I've tried this for years, like would get to a point where I do like a, you know, a long training run on a Friday and then turn around and try to do another long training run on Saturday And it would get to where it was like the inflammation was so bad where I'd start getting like drop foot and I would start tripping over rocks and just the potential for injury on those kind of things um, weren't as exciting. (laughs) So it's kind of that idea of like, of learning. I maybe it's like I'm I'm learning is what I'd say kind of moving into a more seasoned athlete approach of, of realizing that making good choices or even just being tough and being mentally tough, which again is like, what I like thrive on isn't always just about like pushing through things no matter what, but educating myself about what's going on in my body and making decisions about what's, what is really worth it. I don't feel like I'm again, re injuring anything, but there is always that side. And like, I don't want to, I like to run. Like I, I love technical terrain. That's always been one of my strengths. And so like, like a really technical downhill has always been my, I love doing that. But if I'm dealing with like a weird drop leg and all of a sudden the muscles aren't firing the way that I expect them to, and I trip on a rock and go yard, sell it down, like that's no longer a a risk worth taking for me anymore because I would rather focus on the longevity of the sport versus the intensity.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, And I'm sure, Kenzie, that, you know, for more than a decade, you have identified as a runner, a trail runner, a mountain athlete, an ultramarathoner. How does something like this affect, you know, how you think of yourself? Have you ever, you know, doubted your your abilities or your career in the sport because of this? It seems like such a hard thing to grapple with.
1: For sure. Now we're getting deep. Yeah. Oh, um, jeez. I'd say yeah. I mean, I, it's again, it's I don't know if it's gonna if it's like this for everybody, but I kind of feel like to some degree, I, lo- I did a little bit of my life in reverse where. N- Maybe a lot of people spend their early twenties kind of exploring, like who they are, what they want to be in the world, what they have to offer, and and not that I did it wrong, I just did it different. I started by having my kids young and and focusing on my family young. So all of a sudden, um, when I got to the point where kids don't necessarily need as much of your time, and you do have a little bit of extra emotional energy to invest in, like what is my identity? What what do I offer the world besides? raising kids and taking care of other people's immediate well-being and I kind of had a freak out moment that was part of maybe what also timing wise led me down the journey that I've gone down um so I do feel like in my adult life um running has been a massive part of my identity and I think I've always been aware of like being trying to be careful of not having too much of my self worth tied up in what I'm physically capable of. I mean, I'm always aware that there's pitfalls with that, right? Like if you get injured or something takes you out and then that could be a really depressing potential. Um, but you know, for, for a couple of years it was, it was really hard. And I think part of that is admittedly ego driven, um, where, you know when i when i got into it i found a lot of success in the early part of of it you know like and it's like this you know like with coaching with training stimulus when you first get into it like you introduce just a little bit of training stimulus and you get a lot of return for that investment pretty quick so it's pretty exciting and even um to so you know so when i start started training and got got more serious in amount of training and adding volume and and doing more mountainous things i was seeing a lot of success with that And so of course that like feeds the ego of of will look at me and like what I can do and um, and all that's really exciting and people start a- acknowledging you for oh that's kenzie the ultra trail runner and you know you add even the layers of social media and all those silly things on top of that that definitely it's really hard to not get caught up in that becomes your identity or what you offer the world based on what you do and your performance and um, so there was that going on. But then at the same time, I think I kind of got into trail running. Um, I kind of joke because it's definitely gotten more popular. I I was hesitant to say it's become mainstream, but I think in the last four, four to five years, it has definitely become more popular in the sense that you're seeing, you're now seeing a lot more um, uh, like collegiate level athletes that are transitioning into trail and ultra where you didn't see a lot of that before, like, or elite marathoners, that decide that they're going to start transitioning into trail running or whatever. And so, you know, back when I was just kind of started getting into it, it was like, yeah, 28 to 30 year old Kenzie that's a mom of three and fits in the training wherever she can, but is pretty fit and likes to be super mentally tough and go out and have pretty good race and also place pretty well within the event. But as you start aging and so you're, aging and trying to ask your body of those same demands that it did when it was younger or also not maybe necessarily as injured or realized what was going on um you also now have younger people coming in and competing in the same categories right like there's no pro division in trail running and so um that was kind of a a check for me to start realizing like i am I even relevant anymore? If I go and try to tow the line of a hundred mile race and I don't place in the top five people or something. And, um, so that, and then you layer on again, like the expectations with my back. Like, so I think it's been a kind of a, a forced thing for me to really do some reflecting over the last couple of years. Like, what do I really, really value in this sport? Does it have more to do with how other people view me? Um, in the sport or is it truly like fulfilling independent? Like if nobody else knew that I was going out and doing this race, would I, would I still be getting the same experience out of it? Does that make sense? In fact, I have a good story about that. If you want to, if you want me to tell you about my last, um, so my last hundred mile, this, this maybe makes me, this is a little vulnerable I would say, but you know, for the sake of, of being honest. Um, so the last time I told the start line of a hundred mile race was in 2019. So it was the year I moved back from Ireland and um, I, I had decided at the time like, Oh, this is like my triumphant return back to like structured training. And I wrote myself a training plan and I was nailing the whole thing. And I had signed up for the big Horn 100 and like with the goal of, I was going to podium at this race. And I, had been doing really well, like all of like the feedback I was getting in my training and everything. I mean, I definitely would consider myself at like pretty close to the fittest I feel like I've ever been. So confidence in my physical ability was definitely there. There was other things going on in the background of my life. Um, like with again, like you can't ignore in the scope of an, of an athlete, like, and I say this to my, my own athletes that I coach that I, I, my theory is Philosophy is that people are people first and athletes second. And that maybe sounds like really obvious, but if you really dive into it, that's the reality is that running is something that we pursue, but it isn't necessarily the thing that defines us or our priority. We have to do our best. Dep- every athlete's different, right? Like what their expectations are. But in my case, you know, I'm a, a mom first and I, you know, hold up a lot of different commitments in the community and things. And so there's a lot going on in the background. But in the meantime, I was definitely making this work and I felt like I was ready to tow that start line, like to nail it. I was out for what, um, some stuff happened the night before that kind of compounded this like emotional stress going on in our lives with some stuff with family. Um, but I, and I started that race and in the first, and the it climbs, I f- forget exactly, but the first maybe 20 miles of Bighorn are a pretty steady, long, consistent climb. And I've been um climbing all summer in preparation for this. But what I didn't expect is it about mile like I usually expect around maybe mile 50 things start getting weird. Like you like like little things start hurting that you weren't noticing before or like that's where your mind really starts freaking out, whatever it is. Or you like stomach starts to turn south and that's when the problem solving really has to come out. But I didn't expect for that to happen at like mile 15. And so it was a super humbling experience to start climbing. And all of a sudden I was having like serious breathing issues and I have never, ever dealt with breathing. And the best way I could describe it is I felt like I was like, my throat was starting to close off. Like I was having, um, like an asthma attack, but I don't have asthma. So it was really bizarre. But, um, so my climbing started slowing and I got to a point where I had to like pull over to the side of the trail and kind of like hunch over with my poles and breathe a little bit as people are passing me. And I remember just, it was such humble pie. I had, there was a couple people that passed me that I recognized through social media connection. I've never met them in person, but we had followed each other for years or whatever again. So again, like my, the ego side of me is telling me like, Oh, so-and-so just watched me bend over on the side of the trail and I should be way up at the front, whatever. Um, anyway, the, the end of that story was basically by mile 25, I had like somehow degraded and I could not breathe. My throat was completely closed off. And so I, Pulled over to the aid station. Um, the medics pulled me in a tent. They, they forced me to stop so they could check to see what was going on. And um, couldn't really attribute it to like asthma or anything. But they gave me some allergy medicine. And, and I had to sit in the tent for an hour while they watched that, like, you know, to monitor me, make sure everything was okay. But at that point, they cleared me to, to continue on if I chose to. And at that point, I've been sitting for an hour. I, my body had been compl- like, you know, my muscle, everything had just like slowed down and stopped the last person had had left that aid station maybe 30 minutes before and it was pouring, pouring rain. And I was just shivering like crazy. And again, it's like mental, like the mental toughness ego side of me was telling me like you should keep going. Like you don't, you do not DNF. Like you are not, a, you've never had a DNF. You're not a person that does that. But the reality of trying to not only continue on, but try to catch the back of the pack, and then also try to continue on in really remote territory and possibly have to, you know, get like helicoptered out of there if things continued bad. So I made the call to, to DNF and that was really disappointing at the time, really, really hard for me to swallow that. Um, the worst part about it, ironically, was not this feeling that I let myself down because I actually felt very confident that I made the right call at the time based on what was going on. Um, and, you know, my husband, like, was was supposed to meet me at mile 50 to start pacing me. So he had to come pick me up. So in those moments, it's pretty easy to be really honest and vulnerable. And I felt devastated at, you know, this unrealized utilization of all this fitness and time I invested into it. But um, the recurring thought in my head was more about, like, what are other people going to think about me? Because they've been following along this whole time. They know that I'm doing this race. They know that I had these aggressive goals. And now what are people going to think about Kenzie Barlow that, that couldn't even make it past mile 25. And that was, um, pretty humbling. And, and, but that was the the first time I had to really like sit and think about like, where, where is my identity in this, this sport? Like, because all of a sudden all the joy had been sucked out of it. Like because I was so caught up in what other people were going to think when they found out that I had DNF'd. Um, The good part of the, there is a good ending to the story. And it's that um, the good news was because I had, we never really chalked it up to anything. In hindsight, I look back and think I actually had had a panic attack, which is really weird. But there was no asthma, no medical, anything that could attribute to what was going on. So I think I had a panic attack. Well, but the good news was I recovered really quite well from that. Cause I had only run 25 miles. My body was prepared to go a hundred miles. So when I got home, um, for two or three days, I was talking over these, these ideas with my husband, like this, like, Oh my gosh, I feel like a failure, but I, it's like embarrassing to have to tell or like explain over to, and over to people why I quit or to have to justify it to somebody else or whatever. And, um, he was like, Well, why don't you just go find another race? Like, see if you can find another race this weekend. If you feel like you're ready to go and you know, you only went twenty-five miles, why don't you just sign up for something and go? And I'm like, nah, that sounds super vulnerable. Cause now what happens if I go sign up for that race and don't complete it? Like then that's a, like a double negative. But I thought about it for a day and I ended up um just kind of like getting on ultra sign up and toying with the idea. And so I, I ended up completely out of character for me, because I'm very much a planner. And again, this kind of goes like to that coaching mentality. Like I like to have my plans. This like big Horn was like the epitome of everything's organized. I had like the elevation profile, like printed out and laminated so I could pick it up and see like, you know, exactly what I had at the next aid stations, like everything's planned out to a T. All of a sudden, I'm signing up for a race that I knew nothing about in Oregon It's called the old Cascadia 100. I had never even studied the course, nothing. All I knew was that it was a hundred mile race available that I could get into Wednesday and the race was Saturday. So I signed up kind of had like a little bit of a freak out for a second, but then I decided I'm going to go out and I'm going to do this race and I'm not going to tell anybody that I'm doing it. I'm just doing this for me to prove to myself that I do have the ability to tough something out or whatever. And I'm just going to have whatever the experience is. If I end up DNFing, so what? Like At least I'll know that I was brave enough to tow the start line again. And if I end up having a great race, then great, redeemed myself. I ended up having the most amazing experience of a race. It was the first time I've ever done a race without pacers or crew. I flew out there by myself. I packed some drop bags really quick. I didn't know anything about the course. I'm not saying that's the best way to go, but for me in this experience, I think it's exactly what I needed. And I ended up going out and running a hundred miles completely by myself with nobody else to rely on besides me and my own head. And, um, and I ran a really strong race. I mean, I like, I hit those highs like several times. It was just, it was a very surreal experience by the end, like the last five miles. Like I feel like I had completely transcended my body and it's floating. And it was just like, everything finally came together. And like, I was able to, again, have this experience without all of the negative, like things that come from myself, but without like all the negative external pressures of like trying to prove something for someone else. So it was really great because I, that was a huge confidence booster for me and, and really going back to the question you had, which was um, how has this kind of shaped my identity as being like an ultra mountain person? Um, I feel really pretty, pretty comfortable saying I, I do feel like it's a huge part of me of, of like enhancing my life. Um, I've been able to prove that to myself again through that experience, um, and there's been so many other times in life, and this is like one of the reasons why I love this sport so much for myself is that um, there's a lot of lessons that I've learned through these experiences that I feel like like carry on to real life, and so you know there will be times where maybe I'm feeling you know like oh am I capable to handle some certain life situation or some sort of stressor. And like the reality is a lot of our lives are about dealing with hard, stressful things and learning how to like, see the big picture and just put your head down and grind. And I'm not trying to paint this bleak picture of life, but like there's so many highs and lows. And so being able to be a person that can um, intentionally step to the start line of something that I know is going to be crazy hard. I don't, there's no guarantees that I'm going to succeed in the goal when I start, but I'm brave enough to step up to the start line and I believe in myself enough to know that I'm capable of doing it. And now I just have to put myself through the discomfort and see if I can come out on the other side. And through these experiences, both that I learned a lot. I actually learned more through that DNF at Bighorn about myself. It forced me to really like kind of get inside my head and think about what I love about this sport, but I was able to turn around and turn that into what was the most positive experience I've had so far through the sport, through, through doing that, that next race.
0: I think that's such a valuable skill that every runner needs, you know, the, this ability to take an, a, an example of adversity and turn it into something that you learn from that you can turn into a positive experience. Uh, so it's just great to hear that you were able to turn things around And, you know, I know, Kenzie, that you've written about being process-oriented. And, you know, this just seems to me like such a great example of being process-oriented. You know, like you probably, it probably wasn't in your best interest to try to run the last 75 miles of of Bighorn because of all that you had dealt with that day. And while it was hard for your ego, it was probably the best process-oriented decision that you could make on the day. Even though it was such a hard decision to make under those circumstances.
1: Really good point. That's actually a really great way of putting it.
0: Yeah. And, and it's funny too, because I I I just talked to a uh performance psychology PhD two episodes ago on the podcast, and I asked him, what isn't mental toughness? And the first thing he said was, mental toughness isn't grinding through an injury just to prove to yourself that, you know, you can finish. A workout or a race, you know, that's the opposite. That is an ego driven, poor decision. And so hearing you like live this, you know, when, you know, and it's also a situation where you're dealing with all of these high emotions, it's not a purely logical decision. So that decision is much more difficult to make in the moment. And so I think it's just wonderful that you were able to come to what it sounds like is, uh, is the right decision.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I agree with you.
0: Now, Kenzie, I do want to talk about strength training. You mentioned it a little bit earlier. Um, I have seen some some videos of you on Instagram doing things that most mountain ultra endurance athletes would probably run away from faster <laughs> than you could <laughs> time with a fully automatic timing system. So <laughs> tell us a little bit about why you lift weights the way that you do because i think so many other runners particularly women who are a little bit hesitant to to get in the weight room you know with the rest of the gym bros and flaunt their short shorts so what would you say to those athletes
1: <laughs> oh gosh um i think it just goes, again goes back to like being willing to put yourself in um an uncomfortable position at first but acknowledging that you don't always have to stay in that place. And, um, you know, I, I actually started weight training a little bit before I started running. So it was already kind of part of my background, maybe not, not nearly to the degree to the degree that I do it now, but I've become more comfortable and definitely more skilled in the types of lifting that I like to do. Um, but I, I would definitely attribute being, I mean, again, let's like set aside my back. It's an unfortunate and very frustrating thing that I don't, you know, I don't know that I'll ever be able to change, but I can definitely learn how to, um, train around that or train with that in mind. And I think strength training has a, that's a huge motivator for me. Um, being able to keep a strong frame helps me keep good form. It's, um, having like really good muscular endurance is beneficial for me. Um, again, when we're talking about really technical mountain ascents or descents and things like that. So I found a lot of value in it. Um, as far as what I do, is that the question?
0: I I think I'm interested in some of the reasons why you do it. and, And some of the reasons I'd love to hear more about, um, your response to many of the common reasons that runners don't get in the weight room, you know, like this is scary to me. This isn't my comfort zone. Uh, you know, lifting heavy weight is not something I do as an endurance runner. I'm going to get bulky. I mean, you are, you are a, an ultra endurance mountain athlete who lifts heavy weights. Why do you need to lift heavy weights in the first place? Do you, do you really need all that strength?
1: Um, okay. Need, do I absolutely need it? No. Could I, could I do okay without it? Sure. Um, I, gosh what a polarizing topic right I think,
0: <laughs> I know, I, I'm, I would I'm think minefield maybe, right now
1: maybe the common comments or um, critics I guess of, of why I do what I do would be a couple things like one um, I think one of the, the critic comments would be well um, if you're super bulky then that's just going to slow you down um, and another and again like well, OK, so there's that. And then there's also um, I've, I've had several running coaches who are a- against strength running or strength training. And maybe their they're comment is, well, if you have the time and energy to invest in more training, you should be doing more running, like adding more running, more volume, I guess, to your schedule versus putting that time into the gym. Um, I think my answer to that is a couple of things. I, I'm a huge proponent, obviously, of strength training. Again, I feel like, um, running is such a unilateral movement and it's really repetitive. It's the same thing over and over. And a lot of people that just come into running, you know, it's pretty easy for anybody, even the most uncoordinated person to go out and, you know, run down the road. There's not a lot to it, but if you don't have good form or you have a lot of, um, uneven deficiencies, things like that, that's like, that's when, like these weird little injuries start to come up. So I I like it, especially for mountain runners. But even I know, like, even in the, the road running, marathoning world, um, I like it even just for the idea of the prehab, the, the benefits that it has. Like, you know, so there's almost every single person out there has one side of their body that's stronger than the other. You know, like somebody favors one leg when they kick. And so that's naturally a stronger leg. So if you think of how many times you're repeating the same movement over and over, and you have one, side that's stronger than the other, and you're not focusing on isolating and strengthening both sides of those, then that's going to be what I would call a fitness limiter, or it's going to be unrealized potential that you have. Um, So I chose to do it. I I mean, again, I started doing it mainly, to be honest, because I just liked it. Um, But then when I started getting more serious about my running goals, and I had to start kind of choosing, like, being more strategic, is this what's beneficial to me? I found again in those earlier times, I really excelled when it came to like, you know, mile fifty when people's quads are just totally blown out um, because of all the descending that you've been doing, where I feel like like my muscular endurance was so well, my body was so well set up to to withstand the same repetitive movements over and over. And so where people were dealing with muscle breakdown over time on certain things. That was never my limiter. I didn't ever feel like, like if I had a limiter, it would be whatever it was like stomach or aerobic, like the engine maybe, but never to me structurally, I've always been really proud of that for myself. Um, And so I've chose to maintain that.
0: This sounds amazing. My, my limiter has always been structural problems rather than my engine, so I'm a little envious. uh <laughs> mind
1: forces and make. Moments. I know com-
0: with our powers combined.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for
0: sure. Well, Kenzie, thank you for this really interesting conversation. I've really enjoyed learning about, you know, how you got into this sport and and what keeps you going in this sport despite uh, some of the adversity that you've experienced and and hearing your Perspectives on all that I I think is really inspiring for not just the listeners, but for me. I'm I'm ready to go run through a wall right now. I'm feeling great.
1: Thank you. (laughs) Grab that pre workout. Let's go.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So, what's next for you, Kenzie? Do you have a race on the schedule right now?
1: Um, I do. I'm currently signed up for the Crazy Mountain 100. So that's um, it's a newer race in Montana. I'm super excited about it because it just looks really wild and rugged and remote. And that's like, seems to be my jam. Um, we'll see how that goes with um, the back training stuff. Um, my little sister actually is running her first hundred miler this year. And so um, I have, you know, I, I have a lot of vested interest in making sure that her experience is great for that. So I plan to, um, if things don't go well for me with this hundred miler, then I'll probably do What I love to do is adventure runs. We've got the Grand Canyon Rim to Rim to Rim on the schedule. Um, My husband and I love to travel and run wherever we go. And so we've got a couple of things on the docket, including Ireland. When we go back, Um, some goals we have, some running goals and some routes out there that we want to explore. And so, yeah, just doing my best to um, take what's given and maximize what I can out of it and just uh, be grateful and enjoy it. Enjoy the process
0: they're not even trying to hide like the difficulty of these races anymore with the names. What are the no, crazy yeah, mountain crazy race? Month. I mean, <laughs>
1: apparently the crazy mountains is actually the name of the range from what I understand, which is I've never heard of them. They're outside of Bozeman, but you definitely, when you hear crazy mountain, you know, you're like, Ooh, that sounds kind of nuts, but you know, or like rhinestone or, you know, hard rock, whatever they are. But yeah, you, you tell people you're doing them they're like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Meanwhile, well, we,
0: you're you're racing to sign up for these races. <laughs> yes,
1: yeah, so that goes back into that. Maybe I'm a little not normal, but I've definitely learned to embrace that and, and I'm actually quite proud of it.
0: I love it. Well, I'm sure people can follow along with your adventures on your Instagram page. Your handle is hilariously sarcasm in spandex and I'll include a link to that in the show notes. Uh, is there anywhere else people should go to learn more about you, your career, keep up with all the fun things you're doing?
1: Um, you know, I'm for how much I, you know, for how much I'm on Instagram, I'm kind of like a one trick pony. That's, that's where you'll find me. I mean, I have a link to it. Like, I have a website that I keep up. I'm not the best at updating it. But you can definitely find me there. There's ways that you can contact me through email um, through there. But I have like a link tree, I think set up on my Instagram bio. So that's a great place to start.
0: Sarcasm in spandex. Kenzie, thanks so much for being here. I appreciate it.
1: You're very welcome. What a pleasure. Good talking with you.
0: And that's our show today, my friends. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to pay it forward, please rate and review the show, share it with your running friends or your club, or invest in a training program at strengthrunning.com coaching. You can also support the show by supporting our sponsors. Use their links and discount codes to support the Strength Running Podcast and tell them they should continue sponsoring this show. First, I know I've talked about my resistance to supplements before and how excited I was to finally find a supplement company that I trusted in Prevenex. but what really sold me on their products were two things. First, I took the products consistently for about six weeks, and I'm still consistently taking them today. And even though I was a little skeptical that I was actually going to feel any real benefits in such a short period of time, I actually did. I genuinely felt better and I had more energy throughout the day, but even more than that, I've seen so many testimonials from other runners on both the health and the performance benefits that they've experienced to greatly help their running from more energy and stamina while running to faster recovery post-run. I'm personally a big fan of the multivitamin, which is going to fill in any nutrient gaps and needs that I have in my diet. It just gives me broad-based antioxidant support that lets me push harder and recover quicker. But there is one product I wanna highlight today. And this is a product that many runners consider to be the joint supplement for runners. It's called Joint Health Plus. And you can read the reviews for yourself on prevenex.com, But I just wanna do a quick summary here. Runners are seeing meaningful reductions in joint pain and faster joint recovery from workout to workout. So if you're someone with joint pain, this is something that's going to be really interesting to you. So why is it so great for runners, specifically beyond those benefits? Well, the main active ingredient is clinically proven to reduce joint pain, reduce joint stiffness, and improve joint flexibility in just 7 to 10 days. 7 to 10 days is pretty rare, but that's what these tests are showing. And beyond that, it's also clinically proven not just tested, but actually proven in double-blinded, placebo-controlled studies to protect joint cartilage from breaking down during exercise. And I'm going to try to share a new review every time Previnex is a sponsor. And just last week, the Previnex CEO emailed me another review. This one left by podcast listener Diana. She wrote, I've been taking Prevenex Joint Health for over two weeks and can feel the difference. My knees are less stiff and achy. I ran a half marathon this past weekend without knee pain. I've had steroid injections and gel shots and did not get the relief I'm getting with Prevenex. That is just awesome. So, if joint longevity, performance, and everyday health matter to you, check out Joint Health Plus to experience the benefits yourself. Go to Prevenex.com. That's P R E. V-I-N-E-X.com, and use code Jason15 to save 15% on your first purchase. And best of all, Prevenex does have a 100% money-back guarantee, no questions asked. So if you don't feel the benefits, you can return the product without any hassle. But I don't think you're going to do that. <laughs> if you're like me, you're going to love Prevenex. Go to Prevenex.com and use code Jason15 for 15% off. We're also sponsored by Inside Tracker, a company that's been around for well over 10 years now, helping you optimize your health, your longevity, and your performance. Learn more at Insidetracker.com/slash strengthrunning and use code StrengthRunning to save 20% on their entire store. To live your healthiest, longest life possible, you need to understand what's going on inside your body. People age at different speeds. And the generic annual blood work you usually get from your doctor every year isn't going to properly evaluate your biological age. But Inside Tracker does. Inside Tracker is a truly personalized nutrition and performance system designed to extend your health span and slow down the aging process. It's, it was created by leading scientists in aging genetics and biometrics. And what they do is they analyze your blood, your DNA, and any fitness tracking data that you have to identify where you're optimized and where you're not. So they're gonna look at all kinds of different biomarkers, dozens and dozens of biomarkers. And if any of these markers are outside of your personalized optimal zone, you're gonna get a daily action plan with personalized guidance on the right exercises, nutrition, and supplementation for your body for these specific metrics. You can also add inner age 2.0 to any test that you get and that'll help calculate your true biological age and you can see how you're aging from the inside out. For a limited time get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store. Just go to insidetracker.com/strengthrunning. That's insidetracker.com/strengthrunning. All right, that's our show runners. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. And especially thank you for sharing this show with your friends. You can support us by using our sponsor links or discount codes. You can review the podcast, or you can go and get a training program for yourself at strengthrunning.com slash coaching. And I'm always here to help. So don't ever hesitate to reach out to me through the Strength Running site or feel free to message me on Twitter or Instagram. My handle is JasonFitz1. All right, we'll talk soon.